Hi, I'm Josh Shearer and I serve as the lead pastor here at Gawley Uniting Church. I wanted to personally thank you for joining us today. We exist as a church to see lives transformed with the good news of Jesus. Now, I hope this service inspires you. I hope it blesses you. I hope it builds your faith and I hope it gives you perspective that God is moving in your life. If there is anything that we can do to help you, don't be afraid to reach out on social media or email our office. Thanks for joining us again and let's get to the service. I hope we're all doing well this morning, staying safe, staying healthy. It's been a little while since I've been up here between going on leave for a little bit and being in and out of isolations and quarantines. Oh my goodness, what a time, right? It's great to be back here at Gawler Uniting Church. I've missed you all. And I'm really excited this morning to be able to sharing about something I'm really passionate about, life groups. I love life groups. And it's part of a series we're doing refresh. And basically, as Josh said earlier, it's a refresher about some of the foundations of faith and what it's like being a Christian, particularly here at Gawler Uniting Church. Last week, we covered baptism. And today, as I just mentioned, we're looking at life groups. See, as people, we are intrinsically wired to need community. It's an inherent need within every single one of us to be in relationship with the people around us. And I think the last couple of years have made us acutely aware of that. Scripture tells us, and science does too, that we are hardwired to seek love and acceptance from other people. And despite this, it's not always something that's commonly found in some areas of secular culture. But for followers of Jesus, this love and this acceptance is at the core message of the gospel and what we believe as Christians. And it can manifest itself in many forms, including life groups. So before I jump into it, I just want to invite you to join me in prayer. Loving God, I thank you for the honor and the privilege it is to speak your word this morning. Father God, I pray that as I speak, it will be clear and transparent what your truth is. Father, I ask that I would just be a vessel for you to speak this morning. May the words I say be your words, not my own. May it be your wisdom, not my own. In your name we pray. Amen. I want to start by asking you a question. Just by a show of hands, if you're comfortable, just raise your hand if you've felt lonely before. Yeah, quite a few of us. Keep your hand up if you've felt lonely over the last couple of years. Yeah, quite a few of us. For those joining us online, most of the hands in this room just went up and stayed up. And I don't think it would be far-fetched assumption to say that you guys would have raised your hands as well. Between lockdowns, isolations and quarantines over the last couple of years, loneliness and isolation is at an all-time high and human, con human contact and connection has almost become like a luxury in many ways. I remember when my uni classes were online and I think it was the only time in my life I actually wanted to be in a classroom. 
It was ridiculous. But then once I got back to the classroom, I wanted to go back. Is that strange? I don't know. But it wasn't just uni. All my social interactions for weeks on end happened over Zoom or FaceTime. And as impressive and as important as this technology is, I'm sure I'm not alone in thinking that it left much to be desired in my heart. Despite being an introvert by nature, all I wanted to do was be around people again. Technology just didn't quite cut the cake. But why do we feel lonely? Why do we feel lonely? Psychology tells us that loneliness is a response to perceived isolation. Perceived isolation. It's a mechanism that motivates us to seek social connection. It's an innate desire of our hearts to have social connections, to be in relationship with other people. And notice the word perceived. Loneliness is perceived isolation. It doesn't matter if we're surrounded by people. As long as we perceive ourselves to be isolated and alone, apart from everybody else, we can still feel lonely. Some of us might be familiar with the saying, feeling lonely in a crowded room. As long as we feel like we don't have companionship or community or relationship, regardless of whether there are people around or not, we can feel lonely. We can feel alone. And psychology has widely accepted the idea that a sense of belonging and acceptance is a basic human need. It's a basic human need. In order for humans to thrive, in order for humans to flourish, being loved and being known by other people is a necessity. But in recent years, as we've discovered, human connection has become scarce and loneliness and isolation have become even bigger problems than they were in the past. And while it's easy to blame this on a global pandemic, there is actually research to suggest that loneliness and isolation was a problem even prior to 2020. In my research, I found a survey conducted here in Australia in 2018. That's two years before COVID came to our shores. Here are just a couple of quick facts for you. One in two Australians felt lonely for one day of the week. 50% of Australians felt lonely for one day of the week. One in four Australians felt lonely for more than three days of the week. Young adults reported higher levels of both loneliness and social anxiety. That hit home for me as a young adult myself. And lonely Australians have significantly worse health status than connected Australians. They are 15% more likely to suffer from depression and 13% more likely to suffer from anxiety. This is from 2018, two years before COVID had entered Australia. Loneliness was a problem before the pandemic. I venture so far as to say it will continue to be a problem after the pandemic. But right now, we're almost in a crisis. Loneliness and isolation has only gotten worse. It's been exacerbated severely. More people have reported feeling lonely and there's been a significant uptake in national mental health services and crisis support organizations. There's a significant increase of people experiencing psychological distress, 
and there's also been a significant rise in suicide. And I don't think it's a coincidence that these statistics are increasing alongside the feelings of loneliness and isolation. What a fun, cheery way to start my sermon, right? I don't say all these things to bum you out. As hard as it might be to hear these things and as upsetting as some of these statistics are, all I'm trying to do is just raise awareness as to how important it is for us to be in community and how important it is for us to be in relationship with each other. It's a basic human need and we all desire it. And here at Gawley Uniting Church, we believe that one of the best ways to experience community at its fullest and its most authentic is through life groups. If you're unfamiliar with what a life group is, essentially it's a weekly or a fortnightly gathering of usually about 8 to 12 people with the shared desire to grow in faith, spend time with each other in fellowship and grow in faith. And every life group does things a little differently, but what's common amongst them all is fellowship and reading some scripture. Fellowship and reading the Bible, spending time together, talking about life and what's going on, celebrating the highs and mourning the lows, reading some scripture together and really exploring what it means to be a Christian in today's day and age. I'll just run through a quick structure of what my life group usually does on a weekly basis. So every single week, Thursday night, 7.30pm, we meet just across in the building over there and we start off the first hour, we just usually talk about what's been going on. How have our weeks been? Over a cup of coffee or a cup of hot chocolate? What's been good? What's been hard? What are we struggling with? And that's usually just the first hour. And then we jump into some scripture and we usually spend about another hour going through a chapter of the Bible or exploring a certain theme. So at the moment we're going through Lamentations. We went through Romans not too long ago. It's been good fun. I say it's, we usually spend about an hour doing this, but it usually works out to be about 30 to 45 minutes because we get sidetracked a lot. We make lots of jokes <laughs> and we just talk about other stuff. But it's good fun. And then we close in some prayer and we slowly filter out and go back to our weeks. That's how my life group works usually. But like I said, each one functions differently. And believe it or not, oh, sorry, I jumped ahead. Yeah, each life group is different. And scripture actually makes a pretty strong case for life groups, I believe. So, if you just sit tight, we're going to explore it. Let's switch gears, take a look at some scripture. As we look through the four Gospels, we can see Jesus was constantly in community. I'd venture so far as to say he was the pioneer for life groups. Everywhere he went, he took his best mates, the 12 disciples. I'm sure we all know every single one of them. I didn't until I looked it up. So, we've got Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, Simon, and two Judases. Two Judases. I thought there was only one. You know, the one we all know. Turns out there's two. But I think this probably would have been the first life group. Right? They did life together. They did everything together. They ate together, they would have looked at scripture together, they probably would have prayed together. I reckon that would have been a pretty significant part. Just doing life together. Upholding each other in the faith. And if Jesus, who we believe is the manifestation 
of an all-powerful God chose to do life in community and chose to surround himself with friends for most of his ministry, I think it's a good idea for us to do it as well. Do you agree with me? Very good. It's okay if you don't, by the way. Just because I have the microphone doesn't mean I'm right. (laughs) But Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 to 25 says this, and this is the passage we'll be working from for most of this message. It says this, Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 to 25. What the author of Hebrews outlines for us here is just a small snapshot on how to be in relationship with each other as Christians. It's by no means the full, complete picture, but it's a good grounding, and I think for life groups especially, we are to spur one another towards good deeds, encourage one another, and we are not to give up meeting together. I think these can be split into three things. Accountability, affirmation, and assembling. Accountability, affirmation, and assembling. I think these three things form a really strong foundation for what a life group could and should be. And so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to make my way through each one of these three things. Does that sound good? Awesome. Thanks, Mel. First up, accountability. Life groups hold each other accountable. See, I would argue that one of the trademarks of a Christian is that we are supposed to be different from the rest of society in the best possible way. Christian author Mark Frost uses the phrase, living questionable lives. And not questionable as in shady or morally ambiguous, but questionable as intriguing. People want to ask us questions because we're living life differently. Why, why do you go to church on Sundays? Why are you so generous with your money? Why do you choose to live your life this way? In other words, living questionably means to be living unashamed as a Christian and not being afraid to live like Jesus, not being afraid to live the life that Jesus paved out for us. And as Christians, the author of Hebrews is saying that we have a duty to one another to hold each other up to that standard. Hold each other accountable to the way that we're living. In life groups, we need to be challenging each other and spurring each other on towards a life more like the one that Jesus demonstrated for us. A life marked by authenticity, generosity, love. Accountability is important because without accountability, not only is it easier to fall off track, but if you do, it gets even harder to get back on. If you fall off the wayside and no one's holding you accountable, there's not much helping you to get back on track. Throughout my time in the, in the faith, I've seen a couple of different people walk away from church and I can't help but think, could I have done more? Could I have done more to hold them accountable, to keep them around, to shower them with love? Is there more I could have done? 
We need to hold each other accountable. Luke chapter 17, verse 3 says this, If your brother or your sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. If we see how our brothers and our sisters in the faith are living, and we know it's not right, it is our place to call them out on it. But we do so in love. We don't do it harshly or with anger, but as it says in Galatians, we restore that person gently in love. This is what it means to hold people accountable. But at the same time, it's a two-way street. If we know that we are living in a way and we're living a way that we probably shouldn't be living, we need to have the courage to stand up and own it as well. We can't just rely on other people calling us out on it. We need to have the courage to stand up and say, yeah, I'm struggling. I messed up. Because if we're being honest, a lot of the sin in our lives happens where very few or no people can see it. Right? Being part of a life group is being courageous enough to live an open, authentic life, being an authentic community as is one of our core values. Giving the people in your group unfiltered transparency and insight into your life and how you are living. And honestly, this is terrifying, right? This is really, really scary. But at the same time, I think it's one of the best things we can do for our Christian faith and our Christian walk. I know it can be uncomfortable at times. Believe me, I know. I've had to stand up at life groups sometimes and bring up things that I'm not proud of. And I've had to bring it to the light and say, hey, I'm struggling with this. And it's not been easy. It has been very scary. But it's that openness and that honesty that has helped me overcome hurdles and has helped me take leaps and bounds in my faith journey. So as scary as it is, it's one of the most beneficial things you can do for your Christian walk. And just before I move on to our next part, I want to mention that accountability can only function with trust. Accountability can only function with trust. If there is low trust in the group, accountability can't operate. Trust takes time to build, and some people don't find it easy to trust. So I want to say, if you've been part of a life group for a while, and you still don't feel comfortable enough to open up, you have to do one of two things. You need to either A, find a new group, or B, find a way to trust your group more, right? And also, if someone new comes into an established group that's been around for a while, someone new comes in, We need to make sure we're giving that person the time they need to feel comfortable and the time they need to build the trust as well. Give them the time they need to be comfortable sharing because more than anything, at the end of the day, life groups are about love, love and acceptance and forcing people to talk about things they don't want to talk about when they're new, probably not the best way to love them, right? (laughs) But with love comes our second part, affirmation, affirmation. Before accountability can occur, there needs to be love and trust. And what's one of the best ways to show love, if not through affirming each other? Accepting one another fully and completely. Telling each other that we're doing a good job. You know, everyone likes a good compliment. 
if someone does something good, I encourage you to tell them. You know, Mel, we did a great job worshiping this morning. I'm not saying that because I'm up here. I was going to tell it to you afterwards anyway. <laughs> Compliment people. Encourage people. Paul writes in, in Ephesians and Thessalonians that we need to be encouraging one another. Celebrating with each other when something great happens. This is all affirmation and it's something we should be doing in our life groups. But with affirmation also comes the flip side. Because as much as affirmation is about the positive and encouragement and celebration, it's also about being there for each other when things get tough. Being a support person when someone is grieving or struggling. Life gets messy and we'd be kidding ourselves if we pretended that it was smooth sailing all the time. Life groups should be a place where the facades can come down and the realness and the messiness of life can come forward and can be shared. And through it all, we are met with people who love us, who accept us, and speak truth and life into our hearts when we are struggling to believe it. Right? As Jesus went about his ministry, he was constantly being an encouragement to people. Everywhere he went, he would tell people that they are loved and they are accepted by both him and by God. He would celebrate with people, but he also grieved with people too. We need to do the same, encouraging each other and affirming one another in our life groups. Because it's easy to trust God and grow in our faith and everything is going well. But when we hit the rocks and things get tough, it can be easier than ever to walk away. And having a life group around can act as almost like a buffer. It helps us stay on track and it gives us a space where we can just talk about it openly. Affirmation is important. And lastly, and most importantly in my opinion, we need to be assembling, gathering. There isn't much for me to say on this point because how can accountability or affirmation happen if we're not showing up, right? For those things to happen, we actually need to be there. We can't expect life groups to be of benefit if we don't show up. We will only reap the benefits that a life group has to offer if we actually make the commitment to be there. Because at the end of the day, we don't go to life groups because God tells us to. There's no secret 11th commandment saying thou shalt attend a life group, right? We don't do it because God tells us to. We do it because we believe it's a beneficial thing for our faith journey. Because it's the best way to grow and develop as Christians and as followers of Jesus. Life groups are simply a way for us to grow in our faith in an environment surrounded by like-minded fellow believers. And just a note on this part too, it is still important to be wise in how we gather, especially in today's day and age, right? We still need to be conscious of government mandates and restrictions and we need to make sure that we're not putting people at risk unnecessarily. We still need to make sure we're keeping people safe. Sorry, there's a fly. If gathering in person doesn't feel wise, then we do encourage life groups to continue to meet online through Zoom or FaceTime or however might be most convenient for you guys. And while obviously meeting online isn't the ideal, as much, we would love all the life groups to be meeting in person. Unfortunately, that just can't be the case right now 
we still believe meeting at Zoom is better than not meeting at all. Right? So accountability, affirmation, and assembly. Three strong foundations for a life group. And as I close, I want to say that there are a lot of people, and there might be some in this room, there might be some joining us online, who are strong Christians. They believe in God, but they also believe they can do it on their own. And while that's all well and good, you can come along to church on Sundays, you can join us online, that's great. That's awesome. You should continue to do that. The importance of community and human connection is made very apparent in the Bible. And I don't think just rocking up to church on Sundays, I don't think there's a very strong scriptural grounding for that approach to faith. Human community and connection is very important and the Bible makes it very clear. So while you might think that you might get your fill of community and all that good stuff here on a Sunday, I have yet to meet a pastor who believes Sundays are more important than a life group. Every single pastor I know, if you were to ask them what's more important, Sunday services or attending a life group, they would all say life groups. Every single one that I know would say life groups. Because it's not on Sundays that true, that, um, true growth and development happens. You can come along to Sundays and you can hear me preach, you can hear Josh preach, you can hear Mel preach, you can hear so many people preach, but at the end of the day, you're only getting our viewpoints, our understanding. And while that's, you can still grow in that, I think you're doing yourself a disservice if you think that that's, that's all you need. I mean that in love. <laughs> I think you're doing yourself a disservice in missing out on what life groups have to offer. Because it's in life groups where being a Christian can become real. Doing life alongside fellow believers, delving into scripture, asking tough questions about scripture, rip it apart, analyze it, talk about it with, with your group. Bring your doubts to the group. If something in scripture doesn't line up for you, life groups are an awesome place to talk about it and unpack that. Explore what it means to be a follower of Jesus with other believers. Being able to celebrate together. Being able to grieve together. Just have people surrounding you in loving and accepting community. Because like I said at the beginning, it is still possible to feel lonely in a crowded room. You can rock up on a Sunday, be surrounded by people and still feel alone and isolated. But it's hard to do that in a life group where everybody loves you. Everybody accepts you and everybody knows you. It's hard to feel lonely in an environment like that. Life groups are a way for us to make meaningful connections, to become fully loved and accepted. Because at the end of the day, we are all known, loved and accepted by God. Life groups are designed to be little reflections of God's love for us in community where we can come and we can experience unconditional love and acceptance without judgment, just love. Because what our job as Christians boils down to is that we need to love each other and the world the way that Jesus did. And Jesus died 
for this world. He came and he died on a cross in the greatest act of love this world will ever see so that we could have full relationship with an almighty God. As the famous verse from John 3.16 goes, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whosoever believes shall not perish, but they shall have eternal life. And I would argue that one of the best ways you can experience this love is through life groups. Loving, welcoming community. Authentic community. What I love most about my life group is just the immense love that we have for each other. We just enjoy being in each other's company, regardless of whether we're talking about the Bible or something really bad that's happened recently. We just love being with each other. Every Thursday night is a highlight of my week. I can honestly say that. And I can also honestly say that my faith wouldn't be where it is today without my life group. I wouldn't be the Christian I am today without my life group. It has shaped me. It has formed me through the highs and the lows. I've celebrated some great things with my life group, and I've also come to my life group with things that are weighing heavy on my soul and on my mind. These people in my life group have made me into the Christian I am today. And so I say it with every fiber of my being that I cannot recommend life groups to you enough. And I think it's detrimental to our life as a Christian and as our faith, in our faith. I fully and wholeheartedly believe that joining a life group is one of the best things that we can do for our faith. And so if you're not part of a life group, and you want to be part of a life group, then there's going to be an opportunity today to be able to put your name down to get plugged into one. We've got Anne, who's really excited to be heading up the life groups for the foreseeable future. And so come have a chat to her at the end of the service. She would absolutely love to have a chat with you, what it might look like for you to join a life group. Come chat to me, come chat to Josh, any member of our church council. We are so passionate about life groups and we fully and wholeheartedly believe Life groups are the most important part of our faith as a Christian, besides your relationship with God. So, as I finish up, the opportunity will be here at the end of the service for you to get your name down to join a life group. If you're joining us online, reach out, send us a message, shoot us an email. We would love to get you more connected as well. And also, if you feel like you need prayer, at the end of the service as well. If there are some things that have come up for you that you feel like you just need prayer for, then we'll also have some people down the front here that will be more than willing to pray for you. So, and I'm gonna invite the band back up as I close in prayer. Well, loving God, we thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die for us. And loving God, we thank you that your son Jesus was, your son Jesus sent such an exceptional example of what it looks like to be in community. Jesus was constantly eating and drinking with people, going to parties, hanging out with people in where his ministry was. So loving God, we pray that our life groups here at Gaul Uniting Church would be life-giving, 
God, that they would be so helpful in shaping our faith and helping us become more like you. God, we pray for accountability so that we can uphold each other in the faith, keep each other on the straight and narrow, on the path that you paved for us. God, we pray that we can affirm one another, encouraging each other, celebrating with each other, grieving with each other, just doing life together. God, we pray that we can assemble, that we can gather in your name. Father, today's day and age has made it harder than ever to gather meaningfully. But God, we we pray in your name that you can find ways to overcome that. But we can't see a way you can make one. So loving God, we pray. Pray for every single life group in this church. God, we pray that you would bless every life group here. All the ones that are going to form, all the ones in the future. Father God, we pray that, that we pray an anointing over those life groups, that they would speak truth and life into people. That they would build people up and help them become more like you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Angus.